Hey, it's Chris, the supply chain doctor and host of Supply Chain is Boring, bringing insight into the history of supply chain management and exposing you to some of the industry's thought leaders and driving forces. In part two of this two-part series with Dr. Ron Ballou, Professor Emeritus of Operations at the Weatherhead School of Management, Case Western Reserve University, where he continues discussing his predictions from 2006 and his views on the future of supply chain management. It all sounds pretty boring. Let's see if Dr. Ron can prove me wrong. From your, your, your paper in 2006, you had several predictions. I'd like to talk about some of those next. But just to go back to one point, because this is yeah. something I'm trying to determine, and you talked about it, is where did the su- supply chain management definition come from? And I don't think I'll ever figure it out. But I have found out, Ron, in 1982, a gentleman named Keith Oliver is credited with coining the term. He was, I think he was a consultant. Okay. But I'm sure it probably came from a consultant or a software company or, you know, I2 and Manugistics, they were big in that space at that time. So that's my guess. But let's move on to your uh, your predictions, because it's interesting. I think that a lot of them are spot on today with kind of what's, you know, 15 years later with what's going on. We don't have to co- cover all of them. I just want to talk about a couple of them. Right? So the first one is a revenue generation strategy for the supply chain will be as important as a cost reduction one. And I think that's relevant. I probably five years ago, I used to teach students that supply chain managers were focused on cost reduction. That was our contribution to the supply chain or to the business. But as you, as you predicted, and what I'm seeing today is supply chain has become not only a competitive advantage, but it's helping, it can possibly help you sell more. Was that your theory? Well, it was the recognition of if you don't have the product, you can't sell it. Was logistics focused on cost reduction? Yes, just like production and so forth. And marketing was demand creation. That's what they were responsible for. There is no better example than what is happening today with chip supply. Just yesterday, Ford is cutting back manufacturing because they don't have chip supply. Well, you can't sell what you can't make. And I guess when I said that, the supply system was operating nicely, but we have to look at what happens when you don't have the product on the shelf. You can't sell it. Marketing can have the best promotion, but if the product is not there, Doug Lambert I had, has a, a nice term that I liked. I, it's not totally true, but if you walk into a store and the store is out of what you want, he says the logistics system has failed. I don't go as far as saying that because that may be a defined strategy. That is, you can't supply 100% uh, and still keep costs under control. But it, it does, well, another term is when is a refrigerator not a refrigerator? When it's sitting in Houston, when you're trying to sell it in Cleveland. So there is a connection between the supply chain and demand creation. Boy, are we seeing it today. When I wrote that article, we didn't have that. I didn't have nice examples that I could could show at that time like we have now because the pandemic has really highlighted some of these features. And I guess I don't quite agree with your idea that supply chain is boring. My goodness, it's more important than ever. More important than ever. Ron, I used to, this is just as as, as recent as two years ago, I was I would tweet about supply chain just, you know, as a supply chain doctor, I tweet about it. And Ron, I would, I would be lucky to get one story a week, you know, because just nobody was talking about it. There was nothing to tweet. 
Mm-hmm. The pandemic hits, and now I can tweet five times a day because it's on the news, it's in the political discussions, it's everywhere. That's right. So, so that's right. Yeah, back to the re- revenue side, the generation, the new thing, and it's new to me. I think it's been around for a while, but it's this thing called OTIF on time in full. That seems to be it's kind of what you were talking about is making sure that the shelves are full with the right products so people can buy it. I know Walmart's driving that a lot with the suppliers. So that that's obviously a supply chain impact right there. And then cash to cash conversion cycles. That's where the more efficient your supply chain is, you can get money back into the supply chain. So, so I pre, I agree with that revenue generation strategy. It's more than but just see. We weren't talking about that uh, in the two thousands. Even I did a lot of locating of warehouses. I had software and worked for oh, I probably used it for a hundred different companies locating warehouses. Most often could be plants. And the thing I kept running across is when we located these warehouses, we often did it on a cost basis. Okay, what kind of a system of warehouses would we create that would minimize our costs? Well, what about placing the warehouses where you would generate demand rather than just minimize costs? Our problem today is that we don't have a good revenue curve to know how, let's say, location affects demand. That's the topic for research, you see, is how do we make that connection between the supply chain and the amount of demand generated? That's still, to my mind, on the research plate. And it's not easy. It's not an easy question to answer. But it is one that we should be trying to answer. Well, that's a whole different discussion topic in what's going on now with industrial real estate, with urban distribution. I don't know if you've seen that, but companies are realizing it's it's better from the customer service level to put distribution centers in cities as opposed to on the peripheries for different reasons. But that's that's what I'm watching. Yeah, look at Amazon. So it's interesting. What I guess I'll revert back to the history of supply chain. What's your was your company Logware? Well, the commercial product was called Network. Network Logware was a bunch of programs, computer programs to support the textbook. Okay. I mean, it had all kinds of things in it. No, there, there were two, two sets of software. Network was the commercial product that I used for location, but Logware was to support students in solving problems, logistical problems. And I actually distributed that software with the textbook. Well, let me focus on the network because that's really what I'm thinking about. Well, one, that's a, it's a, a fantastic marketing name for the solution. That's basically what it's doing. But two, when when did you start that company? That's important to me from this local standpoint. Oh, when did I so- start the software? Yeah, network. When I was a PhD student, I have to go back. So that was 65, 68? Uh, yes, I, I worked with Jim Heskett in about 1965 on a consulting project with the Dubois Chemical Company. And me being the, the young Turk and the uh, nerd, I guess, I created a software program called Dulaga, Dubois Logistical Analysis, Dulaga. So we solved their location problem. We solved their network problem. Uh, they had a hundred over 100 warehouses, warehouse locations. They didn't own all these, but they rented space and so forth. Purely a marketing thing to, to get there, I, you probably don't know Dubois, but they were into industrial cleaning chemicals and stuff. So I carried this on as an interest. We probably applied it five times in the next five years or so. Well, Dulaga would run on a central computer. 
man, I don't know whether you know what computers were like at that time, but mm -hmm. they were room full of equipment and that sort of thing. Well, along comes the PC. Well, people are using the PC and they don't want to use the central. So I wrote the program to run on a PC. Now, it wasn't as powerful at, at first as Dulaga running under uh, a mainframe, but it changed the name and from Dulaga to Network. Now, I never created a company for it, but I would have companies and consultants and so forth come to me to solve this problem because I had this software. So that's how it kind of evolved. And of course, as PCs evolved in their power, network became more powerful than the mainframe. So it faded into the woodwork uh, and network continued on until I retired. What's interesting, I think, Ron, that's a 65 to 70. I think that's an inflection point as well, because I've talked to obviously where I'm based out of Atlanta, you know, Georgia Tech, and there's quite a few, a couple of professors I've interviewed there that were big into the operations research around that time. So I yes, think that, there, there was a program that a consulting firm had uh, out of Atlanta, but it's kind of faded away. They gave it up. Somebody else bought it out. But that seems to be what kind of along the same lines of the academic research is that's the problem that people are trying to solve is where do I put my facilities? So I interviewed people like Don Ratliff. I don't know if you know him and Richard Sharp. They, during their discussions, they were talking about their software that they were doing as well. So it seems to be that was a popular thing at that time. It makes sense because you were looking at your transportation cost compared with your inventory carrying cost and, and, and hopefully the customer service levels. But so back to your, your prophesizing, uh, quite a few of them look like I think that's, that's happening today. You talked about the boundary spanning and the benefits of supply chain management, um, coordination and collaboration. And then big to me is the information sharing. And all of those things are, are happening clock speed today based yes. on the technologies and everything that's going on. So you're ahead of your, ahead of your time. Those are things. And, and what I see now is a concept that I'm, I'm working with. It's the, I don't know if you've seen it. It's the uh, multi-business enterprise networks. It's where it's basically supply networks instead of individual supply chains. It's kind of putting all the supply chains together. So that's kind of what you were referring to now that we have the cloud computing and the power to do that. That's, that's kind of what I see happening. But do you see anything going on in the supply chain space that you're keeping an eye on or, or what are you doing these days? One thing I like to talk about, and I guess I got too old too soon, is the curricula in business school. We evolved from production. When I went to school, we took a course in production. Well, that didn't include service. So what did the folks that were in the production space doing? Well, they morphed over to operations, called it operations management. So many school programs have a course in operations management, not necessarily purchasing. And if you were to look into the books on operations management, they generally won't have any topic on transportation and maybe not on purchasing as such. So we're out of date. Supply chain has become so important that we should look at business school programs as being built on marketing, finance, and supply chain management. That's why I think it's not a boring subject. It's a critical subject. And my proposal to my university, is, if I could get traction, 
was to change our operations course over to supply chain management. And then you would have electives around that. No student should get out of a business program without understanding the basics of supply chain management. I'm an industrial engineer, undergrad degree. You're a mechanical engineer. Because back then we didn't have supply chain degrees. But what I would like to see is a, a degree called supply chain management engineer. Along the well, lines civil of engineering did do some things with logistics. MIT has a program in logistics that's kind of well-known because MIT is well-known. But yes, there are some schools that have civil engineering that do some things with logistics. And on a related, again, theme, I'm involved with a, a professional association called uh, Association for Supply Chain Management, formerly APEX. You might be familiar. APEX? APEX, yes. So I run the local Atlanta chapter. We help out in the Southeast. But three or four years ago, we had one or two student, student chapters. And a student chapter is a professor at a university that realizes supply chain management is relevant and wants to get their students involved. Now, I probably get a call at least every other week from a new professor that wants to start a student chapter. That's how that's becoming important. They realize the demand for supply chain talent and they want to, if, even if they don't have a formal program, they, they're doing things like starting student associations and student chapters to get their students involved. So I'm refreshed to see that. So are you still active with, with CASE? Are you full-time retired? Uh, no. Uh, when, for the most part, when you retire, you're forgotten. Sad but true anywhere, I believe. So, but you said you were trying to get your school to, to get a, pro I didn't realize Case even had supply chain emphasis or anything. I thought it was a fine school, but I didn't know it was on the engineering or the supply chain side. Never saw anything in engineering. Okay. Uh, that would be logistics at Case. Well, I was in the business school. I was pretty much the sole voice of, we'll call it supply chain. And I, I put together a, a program of electives and stuff like that that carried on for a while. My, my last move was to try to, well, I brought the operations management course into the curriculum. That was the first thing. You, you know, you're a lot of politics and so forth. You just can't say, hey, we ought to do this and do it. You, you have to compromise and cooperate and so forth to get uh, movement. And when you're talking about the, uh, the curriculum, you're talking about kind of a zero-sum game because you may skewer somebody's sacred cow. To put something that you want in the curriculum may take something that somebody really wanted and was in the curriculum already. So change is, is not easy. But my proposal, if I were there now, would be to take our operations management course and make it a supply chain management course which would be different than what we generally teach as an operations management course. Looking back at my history, operations management was where I kind of got my feet into anything related to this. So I didn't realize it was still there. That makes well, sense. I ask you, you know, uh, in your operations management course, did you cut uh, touch on transportation? There might've been, it's a long time ago, Ron, now you're challenging me, but I'm, I'm sure there might've been a class in it, but, or a chapter or a section, but. There's a lot to do with production inventory management, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the reason is that you don't have these. These guys came up through production that write the operations management books. Mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. You see, they never took a course in transportation. So they don't write about what they don't know anything about. Well, if you go back before 1980, when you talked about transportation or you talked, it was economics of transportation. 
it was transportation regulated. Now, Ronald Reagan deregulated the railroads, the airlines, the trucking, and so forth. But you didn't study transportation from the business perspective. You, you studied it, if you took a course, from the government regulation perspective and its effect on the transportation companies. So there's a big hole. And I can talk to you forever about this. I can tell you've got a, just a wealth of knowledge, but um, just to kind of ramp down, something I always like to conclude with, Ron, is, well, do you have anything else to add before I ask you my final set of questions? Well, uh, that was one of the things I wanted to uh, delay on you because it's uh, been heavy on my heart uh, before I retired, for example, is that I think where we ought to be going from a curriculum standpoint in the universities. We ought to really view business education as certainly marketing. Nobody questions that marketing should be an important part of business education. And then you got to have finance. You got to get the, the money to do things. Of course, accounting comes along with that. And then you've got the organizational behavior stuff. Well, leadership, motivation, uh, that the management side there. But we haven't covered the supply chain, haven't covered the supply chain well. And I think this pandemic may do more to push that along than anything we could have ever imagined because we have just seen so many interruptions that um, you can say, well, how, how can these kids coming out have any idea how to manage that side of the business? So I, I really think our business school curriculum is in need. Uh, and I'm talking about making it a requirement, not an elective. Supply chain should be a requirement just as much as you take a course in marketing. Something else that I've started tracking recently is all the, the universe, academic institutions that have either a supply chain emphasis or at least a, a certificate. So um, it's a list that I think is growing. I don't know if you know Gartner, Ron, they're an industry analyst organization. They typically rank things like software companies and you know, who's best, that kind of thing. In the past couple of years, they've come out with the top academic programs. So they're ranking the academic programs now. It's interesting to see all the traditionals that you talked about are on the list, along with things like Arkansas, those types of schools. So they're ranking the top 20, 25 programs around the, around the mm -hmm. country. It's interesting. On that theme, what's some of the people that listen to this show Ron, or it's to maybe students that are trying to figure out what they want to do in university or they're already in supply chain management, but that would be one audience. The other audience is experienced professionals that maybe don't have a supply chain background that want to get into a career in supply chain management. Do you have any words of wisdom for them? Maybe what, what should they be trying to do? Like what the, the needs are? Yeah, what the needs are, what the, the hot fields are, just anything, I mean, from your perspective. Okay, you know, a general business background. And maybe I'm biased here because our school and my division was operations research, which was a very important area at Case Institute of Technology. I always thought we should have a, a strong analytical component to supply chain management. I don't say that's for everybody, as we have already discussed, to get the benefits of supply chain cooperation you're gonna to need to know some things about how do you create trust? What does compromise really mean and how do you make it happen? Things like that are not just analytical. 
as I have said before, the first thing is that you need analysis to define the benefits of boundary spanning beyond uh, the firm into working with other companies that affect your position in the marketplace. But I recognize that maybe you need a good dose of some organization, organizational behavior things to go along with that, to sharpen your spear on these very difficult topics of cooperation and compromise and those soft subjects, but they are important if you're going to realize the benefits that you can define mathematically. It's interesting, Ron, you mentioned the organizational behavior, organizational design component, because that, that's, that was, when I got my MBA, that was my emphasis was on organizational design. But I also noticed in researching you that Case Western has a pretty darn good organizational development program. Outstanding. Yeah. They have an outstanding program in organizational behavior. My view of the world, probably similar to yours, is, is math-based, given our, our degrees in engineering. But what, what's been epiphany to me in the past couple of years is the focus on what you said, relationship skills. And I think that's going to be as important, if not more important, than the math skills for managing supply chains. So, Dr. Ron, I appreciate your time. Thanks for investing it with me. I hope it didn't cut into your fishing time or anything <laughs> else. But any, any last words of wisdom? Well, at least uh, for today. I'm glad you're uh, being a champion of the cause and uh, continue to watch what's, what's developing. And as I've said, we've got so many excellent examples that I could say if I were in the classroom now, I could point to how valuable the supply chain is. As we just see example after example, the cargo ship that interrupted supply in the Suez Canal, the chip shortage, which is not the only shortages. How do you manage shortage? I don't know if I have any good answers about that, but it is a topic that affects the business in the bottom line. Look at these companies that, have, that are short of supply, not only labor, but they can't get materials. And we didn't worry about that. We said if we could go out and sell it, somebody would make it. That's not always the case. And we just are have a plethora of good examples of how important supply chain is. Maybe that'll help drive some changes in curricula and the need to do more, better research in the area. There are certainly a lot of jobs in academia that are supply chain management jobs you do. To the extent that I couldn't have managed it, managed in 1960. I couldn't find a job in logistics in 1965. I sold myself as a quantitative guy and tried to work from there. Yeah, I remember when I got, I started in manufacturing and then I migrated into warehousing. I remember back when warehousing was considered a non-essential skill, a non-essential part of the supply chain, not even supply chain. It was like they sent people to the warehouse that were sick or on light duty work. I, it was like, they can't do anything else, put them in the warehouse. Yeah. Now it's a completely yeah. different. Now it's completely different. Warehousing is a big business. But. This article that you have found came about because I was asked to give a, a seminar at Cleveland State University. And uh, what were I to say to these folks? They they might not be interested in inventory management or 
you know, after so many years, I said, well, as we have come along to start talking supply chain management, people have not, uh, don't know the history of how this, uh, you know, how we started in the physical distribution management, logistics management, and then supply chain. So I said, well, you know, I've lived that. I was there, maybe a, a few guys were a little bit ahead of me, like Don Bowersonks, Smikey. Mossman was a transportation guy. He was actually a case before I got there, but he had moved to Michigan State. But these, these were kind of the seminal guys. Uh, Jim was, you know, a year later than them, and, and Gaten Germain, uh, you know, these were kind of transportation guys. Laskowski that wrote with uh, Heskett was uh, an airline pilot. Ivy was uh, the vice president at Vintner's, a winery. That's kind of how you put things together when you didn't have a, a, a cadre of people to, to work with. Supply Chain is Boring is part of the Supply Chain Now Network, the voice of supply chain. Interested in sponsoring this show or others to help you get your message out? Send a note to chris at supplychainnow.com. We can also help with world-class supply chain education and certification workshops for you or your team. Thanks for listening. And remember, supply chain is boring. I find it very interesting. I wrote this book, uh, two, two editions of Basic Logistics Management. Because I had this book that I consider kind of a graduate level book. It's more quantitative. And if you're writing for business school students, generally you don't write too much in the way of the quantitative stuff or you lose them. So I took a lot of the quantitative stuff and wrote what I was thinking as an undergraduate book. That was translated into Portuguese and has continued on. And you know, it's still, well, it went out of production in uh, here in the States in about 1986, but it's, it, it was translated and continues on by a publisher in, in Brazil. And it still sells today.